Last week, a brutal winter storm has battered large parts of the central and southern United States, forcing millions of people to search for the basics for survival. I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we kindly ask you to please visit our episode notes and donate to help our communities in need. podcast private legal marketing conversations grace how are you today it's Good. february 19 19 is it Grace, it sorry it is i lost the entire sense of time i feel that from the last time we've talked to the to today i've gone through an entire uh period of like the movie castaway you know when tom hanks get completely left out for years it wasn't years right uh in a deserted island that that's exactly how i feel today after what we've went through uh here in texas this past week but first how are you today I am doing just fine. I am was more worried about you considering you are the one in Texas, not me. <laughs> well, Grace, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, um, your good vibes were always with me throughout the mess. But I think, Grace, you know, as we were just having a brief conversation offline, there's a lot of layers that can be unfold here when it comes down to the incidents that we've just lived now here in Texas, right? There is a side of how we as an agency were able to keep up our operations uninterrupted during this time, right? Which is super uh, interesting to learn from because we've talked a lot about contingency plans here and crisis plans and all of those things and it's not really every single day or month or sometimes years that go by without you actually having to go down to them but when you do you know one of the things we always say is now this is the time to actually revisit those documents and see how can they be improved for when the next time comes. I think it's very easy for us and particularly now as we're starting to move out of this, like our minds already start to forget very quickly, super quickly, how challenging some of these aspects were. And whilst we were prepared to face some of the challenges that we were faced off, uh, there were some others that actually had a, a more significant impact than probably we initially anticipated. So um, for those who are in Texas right now, uh, just like me, this is actually the time that you need to take all of your documents and plans and revisit where we prepare enough what do we need to do uh, the next time, Grace? And so I can share with you, Grace, that uh, operationally, we actually were able to sustain everything in place. Uh, we did not lose access to any of the main platforms that we operate all of our operations from. The other great advantage that we have, and this is another one of those things that 
I mean, businesses need to start building and accounting for as a way of also being better prepared for when things happen is the advantages of having part of your team uh, remote, but not just remote at home, remote in different locations, right? Because uh, part of our team are not actually based here in Texas. And the fact that they were unaffected entirely by this actually gave us great support for those who were actually struggling a bit more uh, due to shortage of power, due to shortage of ability to leave our locations and so forth and so on. And so that's another great element. And one of the reasons why, you know, as we are adapting to this new reality post-COVID, we may want to consider, you know what, there is actually an advantage on not having the entire organization under the same roof, under the same uh, location, because when things like this happen, then you have other areas of your team that are basically potentially untouched, right? Particularly when we're talking about national uh, natural uh, disasters. disasters, right? And you know very well this. Yes, that's, I actually wanted to ask you that question. Is so you, you seemed very prepared in terms of like being able to keep your stuff running at the very least, right? In terms of that that type of thing, your business continuity which is what they call them, the business continuity correct. business continuity, correct. And, That's the term. you know, and right, business continuity plans that include what they call disaster recovery. I, I used to work in retails and you used to work in, in customer service and hotels. So you know yeah. everything when it comes to the evacuation plans and kind of how all that stuff is included. 100%. Right, as part of your plan. So when you, do you have all of your, um, I'd say everything that you do, is that online, would you say? just about everything because you know how some people like yeah they might have a crm that has a server that's located inside of their office or they mean you know they might not have like a what they call um uh, you know a server location that is kind of tornado proof hurricane proof and all of that so because they have physical hardware and software on that location so everything you do is online hundred percent. We're we're hundred percent on the cloud. We have backed up. We have backups uh, that are actual physical, and uh, they are here in Austin, Texas. But um, there's really not one piece of uh, data or uh, file that we cannot access uh, cloud-based. So that was really to our advantage. And the other thing is that we're a lean operation in the sense that we do not handle a lot of very, very heavy big files, right? Uh, but even all of our video uh, raw files and everything, all of our content here and in camera that we record every single week, everything is still available uh, on the cloud, which would be the, the, the heavier or most uh, robust uh, files that require uh, more band, but it's still all available. And, and I'll tell you what, it's not cheap to uh, have all of this uh, massive data on the cloud, but it 100% pays off when these kind of uh, situations happen because you really don't know where things are going to get hit. And so I think, you know, going back to all of our um, uh, IT conversations here, it pays off to have your uh, um, physical backup, but also have your cloud backup. Right, with redundancy. If, if, one, or the, if one or the other gets, yeah, if one or the other gets compromised. Exactly. And yeah, so uh, Grace, listen, for us, it was very straightforward, right? It was keep ourselves online so we can actually continue communicating with the rest of their team, but most importantly, to continue our operations uh, in handling our clients' campaigns unaffected, right? And one of the things, Grace, that we uh, actually did, right, for our clients here in Texas is we actually evaluated the circumstances of each market to really understand 
is it worth to push now harder with the campaigns or is it worth our while to cut out a little bit in some aspects, right? And in some cases, and, and it was not a flat formula. It's not that we just kind of like pull the brakes on everyone or we actually invested heavily on everyone. I can give you an example. Some of our TV campaigns, actually all of our TV campaigns that we're currently running in Texas, we stopped them. Why? weak, right? Why? Because if we are in a market, in a circumstance where uh, local authorities are encouraging the people not to use TVs in order to save electricity, you want to make sure your TV, you're actually not showing a TV ad that would kind of like go against that indication, right? You're supporting now a platform that we've been explicitly told to try to stay away for. Leave alone that the messaging and everything was not necessarily relevant. So it's one of those scenarios where can you actually adapt quick enough to change the messaging to be relevant to the current circumstances and not come across as stone deaf, or you're just going to put up a message out there on a campaign that it's completely irrelevant to what's happening right now and the difficulties that our local community is going around here in Texas. So um, all of this is playing part into what we're doing. And the same goes for our online campaigns, right? How can we tweak? How can we adjust the messaging of all of our advertising uh, so that it's actually relevant to the current circumstances and the type of cases that potential people are having now? And so these are things that you need to be thinking on as you're going along. And I think, as I was telling you, Grace, while this particular incident really stretched us up all the way to our limits because the actual uh, outages happen in an area where both we live and our agency is located, we were still able to keep our operations uh, running because we had enough preparations that allowed us to do so. But the first thing that I was telling you right now before we jumped into the call is uh, we certainly need to make some upgrades. So, you know, if this were to happen next time, we're not kind of like thinking ourselves, wow, we really cut it short this time. Let's just increase our bandwidth here. So if anything uh, as catastrophic as this can happen, again, we have more mileage in our tank to take us the extra mile. And that's actually quite literal, more, <laughs> more mileage in our tank, because that's really where it went down to uh, this time. So Grace, that was um, quite an experience. And I know you go a lot through these kind of <laughs> things almost every single year in Florida, yeah. right? Yeah, with hurricanes, we, we, we're quite prepared in terms of that because I've been through quite a few of them, including one of the most major ones back in the day when I was a child. And I'm, I'm going to date myself here, which was Hurricane Andrew. Um, Hurricane Andrew was one of the most massive storms that we ever had. And, you know, they, they, did, they did very well in terms of upgrading the infrastructure here. However, if you get a category, you know, six or f above a four, it's still not quite... Uh, Things are going to happen exactly like they did in Texas, as a matter of fact, regardless of whether we have the infrastructure upgrades or not. But because we know they're coming, we're prepared for them, and we have these disaster recovery plans um, as part of our business continuity plans where we, you know, we know we have generators, we know we have um, our stuff located in specific spots like, um, you know, what we call it the NAP or TerraMark type of 
location where it's bomb proof, it's uh, hurricane proof, it's flood proof, it's everything proof, if you have physical stuff that you need to have uh, redundancies for, you know, because we're a software company. So there are times that we have specific stuff in different locations. And as a matter of fact, we have stuff in Wisconsin. Um, we have stuff here in Florida in, the, in that type of a location. And then we have stuff in New York as well um, for some of our equipment. You know, some of the software stuff that we run needs the kind of stronger servers. And so that's what we do. But um, to your point, though, like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that at least you were able to have, you know, we, we were talking about it offline, as you said, you know, you had gas and you had, um, you know, the option to, to use the gas. Whereas um, here in Florida, I have only electric. I didn't have, we don't have gas. Um, at least not, some people do, but the majority of us do not. And you have to specifically have it installed in your house. So gas, I when you told me that you had gas, I was like, thank God for that. Because, you know, thank whoever it is you think, thank for that. Because that's the only way that you'll be able to continue cooking and doing all the things that you need to do. And in your case, run your business out of your your location. Yeah, yeah Grace. And one thing, I, I don't know if it has come up before here on this podcast, but we're actually a solar-powered um, agency. So we actually have solar panels on our roof, and um, usually that's the the energy, all the energy we, we need to uh, run our uh, agency. But two issues here, right? Number one, they were completely covered by snow, right? And it was r really unsafe to try to go up and clear them. And even if we would have gone up to clear them, there was really limited, very, very limited sunshine during the past few days to actually power up those panels, right? And uh, we hear that not just happen at private businesses or residences, but actual, actually the entire state uh, was not able to sustain generation of electricity to, social, to solar panels just because the weather conditions were not enabling uh, uh, power generation through solar panels. So, I mean, again, it's just one of those realizations that your your systems are not are not gonna be always bulletproof, and and we live in a world that things get tested to the limits. Um, you know, we used to live in uh, the mindset of yeah, but you know, the odds of that happening are one in a million. The point is that those one in a million circumstances are starting to happen way too frequently. And so to take that approach when it comes down to your business uh, decisions is really not wise and not safe. What do you think? Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, look at COVID, right? What did, what did that do to everybody? That did that to the world, as a matter of fact. So there's no way that you can't look at what hap what's happening in the world as a whole, what's happening individually in states in the United States, what's happening everywhere, like you said. And so if you don't have a business continuity plan, you will not continue operating. It's as simple as that. And so this is always a good time to take a look at what you do, how you do it, at your paperwork, your documentation, but actually do something about it, like you said. Because, yeah, you know, as, as we were speaking offline before, you know, this kind of is going to bring us to the next topic. But, you know, there's, there's, you can't rely on the insurance companies. You can't rely on the power companies to make sure that you have what you have or need in place. How could you? You know, you, you were talking about the rotation of the power, right? 
Can you say a little bit about that and what happened with the rotation of the power? <laughs> well, I, you see, I'm no energy expert and I really struggle explaining or trying to understand even myself the reasoning behind how um, local authorities thought about going about managing the Texas grid. But I can tell you the initial idea was to do power rotations in the sense that in order to be able to better control the grid and distribute energy in more realistic way, the idea was, okay, we're going to switch down certain uh, areas and allow others to have energy. And then uh, over a period of 40 or minutes or one hour, we'll then do the switch. The thing is that it, the whole system backfired on their face uh, when they uh, executed the first su shutdown. <laughs> they were not able then to, to bring the, the, the grid back on uh, for no one, right? So Just some very... Some very um, particular areas in all cities were the ones that remained uh, with electricity because of the part of the, the part of their grid network, what institutions they were powering, which in most cases were government buildings, hospitals, and some real necessary infrastructure that the city needs. But everything else got shut down. So um, you know, I'm Hispanic, as are you, and in Nicaragua they have a lot of rolling blackouts. It's just yeah. kind of the way it happens and they know when it's coming, you know, because yeah. they do shut down parts of the grid because they can't 100%. run it. They can't run it. They just, they're third world countries, so there's not going to happen, right? So I, yeah. I understand the, the concept behind what they did, but this is what I know that now this is kind of going to bring up all of these class action lawsuits, all of these potential issues against the power companies and against the <laughs> um, insurance companies that are going to start denying claims when everything is melting and bursting and you know power was Crazy. left out yeah it's pretty 100 percent. yeah so actually i remember already the first day the first night when the power uh went out i was going through my twitter feed and trying to follow the local authorities and see what news and developments they were issuing right because that was the only way that we could actually uh efficiently stay connected and, and informed and it was really incredible to see the amount of comments and people who were already on day one talking about a uh, class action against particularly ERCOT, right? Which is uh, the grid manager, uh, you know, the grid authority here in Texas. And I know you actually received an email uh, from X Social Media recently that's already contemplating the marketing for such a potential lawsuit. So why don't you give us a little bit more of information and uh, any insight on what are the chances of this actually uh, becoming a thing? Huge, huge chances. So let me start with a little bit of the email itself, right? So even just the topic, it, it kind of catches your attention and you know we're all about attention catching grabbers and stuff like that. So it says, Texas power grid failure, next BP oil spill? question mark. Well, yeah, it very well could be. Why do I say that? And why am I so confident that this is probably going to happen? Because of the hurricanes that we have here. And after Hurricane Andrew, after certain hurricanes, you will always have insurance companies that are going to deny claims. And at the time that Hurricane Andrew hit, they hadn't updated the infrastructure. FPLs are here for Florida Power and Light. They hadn't updated the infrastructure in a very long time, although they had been charging you extra fees for upgraded infrastructure for years. 
and they yeah. never updated it. So if that same situation is what is happening or happened, which it sounds like that's what happened in Texas, they were not prepared for a hundred year storm. They were not prepared for this type of cold. They weren't insulated. Now, I'm not saying that they potentially should have known. Maybe they didn't. Maybe there was infrastructure upgrades that just couldn't account for what they call an act of God a lot of times in claims, right? However, the amount of people, the level of issues, and specifically what they're mentioning in the email that I'd like to read out loud has to do with the specifics of what if a company has little chicks, little, um, you know, they sell chicken, and their baby chicks that are incubating lost power. Right. That's that's the other thing, right, Grace? Because, I mean, because of the sheer size of the event, we haven't really started looking at, uh, as you're saying, the impact that this has had on businesses, the property damage that's going to come out of this. And most importantly, there has already been loss of life due to this uh, event, right? It's going to be a matter of uh, how much of this was preventable, how much negligence was here. And it seems like there's gonna be a fight here against holding holding some authorities accountable here i i mean it, it does have the potential from what i'm hearing yeah so i mean i'll give you what it says here about specific to people right not just commercial losses which we're all very aware of the commercial losses that are going to happen because you know if you run a business which most of you attorneys do that are listening to us you know that the commercial losses are going to be fairly standard when it comes to a natural disaster, right? It's going to be, you know, uh, claims that you have to put against because of X, Y, Z, business wasn't operating for this amount of time, whatever. Now, when we talk about the individual people and the potential for those types of claims, what they're specifying in here is that the second part would be injury and death from the cold hitting elderly people that get hypothermia or worse. So that's why I'm saying like this is a huge potential on the side of Texas because we don't we don't have cold here. So for us, it's like, okay, yes, it could be sweltering heat and potentially if they have no power when they're sweltering heat, they could pass away. Yes, they could get heat stroke. Now, the cold though, there's nothing to do. Once there's, the person could potentially die and that's what we're just about to get into when it comes to this whole Texas power grid failure. And they're specifying in here that the defendants will include, you know, local power companies and insurance companies, which is what we're talking about, because there's going to be the, what happened to us during Hurricane Andrew is they immediately denied all claims on the house, just so you know, fought for probably close to 10 years to get any money out of the insurance company that we had for the homeowner's insurance, because they were trying to claim it was an act of God and they just denied the claim outright, which is Sometimes that happens. I'm not saying all insurance companies, I'm not saying that that's happened to everybody and that that won't happen, you know, specifically or will happen. However, I think it's important to note that this is something that is, like the L said, was popping up from day one. And why? Because people expect that their city, their state is going to protect them and protect the elderly and protect the people that can't protect themselves. And I'm sure many, many people feel that 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 wasn't done one way or another. I don't know what you think about that, Leo. I mean, 
I'm assuming, and I guess, you know, these first remarks potentially may have been more emotional, uh, but at the same time, there seems to be here substance, right? And that's why it really called to my attention when you said that uh, ex-social media is already setting up uh, potential uh, campaigns to really get a head start on this potential uh, lawsuit, right? This can, it, 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 it's, it clearly seems to have the potential of becoming a class action. So I was very interested in hearing, Grace, um, what is it that they're doing? What is it that they've already put up in place? What are they offering law firms who are interested in partaking on this effort? So uh, I think it would help if I just kind of give you the framework of what they're saying. And so, yeah. you know, they're talking about it, you know, they're. I'll just read off the first paragraph kind of. It says, in this situation, you have a 100-year winter storm that hits Texas. You have local power companies not able to deal with the demand and supply needs during this period, resulting in three to five million people without power for 48 hours or longer in 15-degree weather. I'm sorry, that's very hard for me to comprehend. Yeah. I'm a Florida baby. That is <laughs> insane that you guys dealt with 15, 15-degree weather. That to me sounds like Alaska. Okay, so it looked like what, a, it looked like Alaska around here, crazy white out, crazy. Totally, this will create a lot of commercial claims, property claims, and personal injury claims. So he believes, and this is coming from um, uh, co-counsel partners and uh, Hillard Martinez Gonzalez LLP and Brent Kuhn and Associates. Um, so they're the ones that are really kind of starting this and working with X Social to really kind of get out to all the people that are out there and dealing with this. Um, and so we're going to, we're actually going to be getting involved in some of this and, um, I'm not sure exactly how or when, but we are going to be getting involved in this because this is honestly, we understand how, how horrible these types of things can be. And we would like to put our, our hat in the ring and, and go for the good fight when it comes to this as well. So that's why I'm so interested in, and, you know, living in Florida with all the hurricanes and things that we go through. This to me is super important to protect the people, including the commercial property and the business owners like yourself who had to deal with this and it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have happened to that level. You know, potentially could have mitigated it significantly. And that's basically what he's saying in this email. So, you know, what they're saying that in the BP oil spill and California wildfires, the majority of the commercial losses, you know, were commercial losses from the event. Uh, you know, same kind of here with the commercial operations, things that need power kind of went to waste or things that have to grow will have the largest damages, food. Right. And in Texas, right. you guys grow a lot of stuff that feeds the United States and even within your own state. So the loss of the food growth, the stuff that got frozen because the stuff that you normally put in, in heat boxes and you keep it kind of nice and moist so that it grows during the cold season. There's no yep. power. Yep. So what the rolling effect that that's going to have on those types of commercial losses are going to be pretty significant. And so, of course, as I mentioned before, this is where they close it off. And that to me is one of the most important sections, the injury and death from cold hitting elderly people that can't protect themselves because they have no, no means, no way of getting warmth or heat or even potentially being able to leave the house to talk to anybody, especially during COVID. Right. It, it was bad. And then you have those, uh, those other scenarios, right? Because people were pushed away to, um, up to a certain extent, have to leave their home and look shelter elsewhere under circumstances that, that with, with such extreme weather, it was just dangerous. It was just very, very risky to start off. 
And as you said, I mean, people went through extremes here in order to try to uh, keep themselves warm or survive at this. And unfortunately, it just led to disaster uh, one too many times, leading to fires, to inhalation of toxic fumes. And I mean, the count of deaths uh, due to this uh, is continue to grow and it's, and it's a very sad thing, Grace. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, and, and I even saw like when I saw the the black ice and the, the car accidents on on the freeways because of this crazy storm and them not being able to stop people from driving because they have to get somewhere to try and be safe in the middle of a blizzard. You know, yeah. look, I've been there. I've been in a situation where it's in the middle of a hurricane and guess what? It's to a point where that category two hurricane just became a category four and there's nothing you can do. You can't leave your house. You can't go anywhere, but you have to. Because if not, you, you, everything will be blown away. You know, luckily at this point, we do have um, construction that can handle up to a Category 4. But anything above a Category 4, I'm leaving my house. I don't care if it's a hurricane outside. But guess what? That's exactly what happens to people. They, they're like, okay, this has just hit a Category 4 hurricane. It's going to be a Category 5. My house is gone. I am not going to even be able to survive. So now right. I got to get out. Right. So, you know, we're people. Yeah, we try to stay home exactly. when we can, and, and and that's one of the main disadvantages that we're here, right, Grace? Is that level of awareness and that, that, that understanding of the threat that uh, you face, for instance, in Florida, you have embedded in you. You know exactly what are the you know what where you need to draw the line, and I think that's one of the things that that um, was not here. And I think that allegation can go both ways, right? From the people who actually suffer through it as, and for the people who actually really were responsible of getting us into this mess uh, in a first instance, right? Because while there's a lot of a conversation going on as to how much of this was preventable, um, their argument of, well, how unlikely was this to ever happen? And then for, and therefore justify that, you know, chances of these were so minimal that we cannot be whole to blame for not taking enough action on something that was not even on the scope of, of likely events. Yeah, likely events yeah. to hit us. So I, I guess that's going to be um, the defense argument. And uh, I, I don't know, Grace, what do you think? Like, how, how soon do you think you see this thing mo moving and really getting started? In a week or two. In the next 30 days, this is just going to hit the the airwaves and it's going to explode because this the level of which in texas is such a massive state with so many people with such an influence on the rest of the country it really does it has a major influence on the rest of the country i mean there's so many things that come out of there uh, i used to work in steel you know and the steel pipelines and certain things would come out of there so you know it's it's going to hurt a lot of people and a lot of businesses in an already very difficult time with covid and yeah. logistically right i mean just logistically it's it's gonna kill a lot of businesses that were already on their last legs yeah so the the reality of this is going to move quicker than i think any of us really know or understand now it's going to be a big fight it's going to be a massive fight and they're going to do everything in their power to say exactly like you said that this was an unexpected act of god there's no way that they could have predicted a hundred year storm yeah which is understandable like you said it is understandable to a degree but it's called mitigating risk right so you know that that's where it's going to line up where the issues are between what they already knew or didn't know right it's always in the discovery of 
any potential documentation or emails between anybody saying, I knew that this might happen or this is a potential to happen, but for profits or for X, Y, Z, we put profits above people. And that's where the lawyers and where our people come in to fight the good fight of preventing that type of thing from ever happening again, which is what happened after Hurricane Andrew here. Everything is yeah. built to category four standards. Now, as I said, if a category five or six hits, everything's gone. So should they have built it to a category five or six standards? I don't know. Well, Grace, I think that's our first takeaway, right? Don't, don't build just to sustain the worst that you know, build for an extra layer, right? I mean, because what we are seeing, you know, they can tell us as much as, as, as they want that this is an 100 year event. But the bottom line is that over the past two years, we've already been through three uh, or four one in 100 year events, right? And so the bottom line is that your uh, emergency and contingency continuation plans need to be built to go beyond those, you know, worst case scenarios as we know them and go for an extra step. What do you think? Yeah, that's how we always look at things. You know, it's called redundancies. And the reason you have redundancies in place is so that your business and your life even can continue. And the only way to do that is to plan for not just the worst, but the absolute worst that could potentially happen and the end of everything. And you have to plan for that. And that's what you do when you create a business continuity plan, you plan for the most absolute worst disaster that can potentially happen. And we do that because we live in a hurricane world here in Florida. And so they build for, not build, but they create these plans based on the fact that the business as a whole will be completely down, potentially the building itself, indefinitely. So you need to build for that type of issue. You need to create plans for that type of issue. When I say build, I mean build your plan. Build your plan based on what can happen and the worst that can happen and plus the worst that can happen on top of that because that's how we live. And like you said, it's embedded in my DNA because I've, I've been in Florida my whole life. So as part of my DNA, it's what can happen and then add another 2,000 to that in terms of potential risk and issues that can happen from there. You know, because I have, um, I have a small fridge at my home. I have a small generator. Um, I have uh, little propane tanks and propane-driven, uh, uh, like, stovetops. So, mm -hmm. you know, all those little things that you could do for your business as well, like, know that if things freeze, you need to do this. If this happens, you need to do this. You need to do this. That's, the, like you said, the first takeaway. Build it out. Do it because you know that this is the worst that can happen. And add another thousand to 2000% of potential issues on top of that. What, what would you make our takeaway number two? I'd say my, my takeaway number two is, um, don't just have like a plan and put it on the shelf. Seriously, take a look at it and include it as part of your day-to-day -day operations that you check the things that you're putting in your plan. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. Test it out, right? Test it out. It's 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 it's, it's that thing because um, when you put when you have them in writing, when you think and you just uh, put up a document for the sake of having it, but you don't go back to actually touching things physically and actually running an exercise of putting yourself and your team through that motion, you may not uh, identify broken links that can have really a significant impact if 
at any and at any time you need to execute these right grace i mean whether it's as you said your power generators whether it's your chain of communications whether it's testing out your you know mobile uh internet connection whatever it is make sure that uh, you set some time and it obviously doesn't have to be every single week but you do want to do this maybe periodically or depending the likelihood of how how what are the chances of you seeing yourself in this situation uh you want to check and be uh well aware of what works and what are some of the challenges that you may face so you can start troubleshooting them now or when you're in a point where you have more resources and more availability to really handle things right and and also understand i mean one of the one of one of the important things of these exercises is understand what gets priority and and what needs to be pushed down the the scale of what's actually uh, not important to to be happening during a situation like that, and and already have made those decisions ahead of time. So when things are happening, you can actually, with a lot of confidence, particularly your team, can already know and make decisions without having to hesitate or have to come back to you to to talk about things. And I think it's it's. That's probably one of the most important reasons why you want to have these uh, systems put up in, in place uh, ahead of time. And, and as I've said, I mean, after the event, after the event, I'll make that my takeaway number three is always improve them. They're not static. Things happen, circumstances happen. New technology emerges, there's new solutions. So you want to make sure that you're always keeping one uh, ear to the ground as to what you can do better. And most important, debrief these incidents in a way that not only you're actually getting information uh, based on how you experienced the events, but get the rest of the team to give you their input and to let you know what worked, what didn't, what could have been done better, and improve overall your um, uh, plans based on that. Yeah, uh, and the takeaway 3.1, in addition to what you're saying, I feel like people need to remember that they have to, when they do these things, again, don't put it on a shelf, relook at it, and go through it. Right. I mean, we do our evacuation plans here. We've gone through a potential fire hazard. We've gone through and, you know, uh, know that this is here, this is there. So just make sure you do that. I, I, I can't yep. stress it enough. Everything is a continual improvement process. Everything yeah. you do. And I couldn't say enough times how many times Liel and I have said that at the end of every one of these podcasts. But that, that includes everything you do, even on a business continuity plan. Yeah. improve 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 because things can always get better and better and better that's right grace and i guess well you know getting to the class action i mean if this is if, if this falls under your plans and interests and you see this being an opportunity for you that this is the time right we oftentimes talk about how things uh reach a peak point where they become way too popular that it's almost like unrealistic to try to pursue uh, becoming part of certain masters. But this is another example of something that is just inflating. It's just on that early stage where it can make a lot of sense for you, depending on, 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 on your law firm, your size, your budget, and the type of law that you practice. This could actually be a, a great opportunity. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. You know, these things don't come across, you know, every uh so often so i mean well I let's said, hope at least we storm. hope <laughs> that's what we hope right? that's the hope <laughs> that's, the hope. that's, that's what again. we hope uh 
we're only we're only month number two in 2021. So um, yeah, we've already been through quite a lot. Let's see what's ahead of us. But Grace, one step at a time, one episode at a time, right? Next That's week, right. we'll be back for another private legal marketing conversation Frozen or some or sort of conversation, right? <laughs> That's right. We'll be here. <laughs> All right, Grace. Take care. You too. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.